God is overall, one, we serve one God and Father who is overall and in all and through all. And I had talked about how we get to experience God in new ways and can grow in our faith if we watch and see and listen and hear what God has done through others and through their passion. So we witness those who have a passion for drama and a passion for ministry and to spread the gospel. And so we get to experience and be a part of that, even if it's something that you're not familiar with or maybe even comfortable with. We can experience God the way Zenzo and United Night of Worship led us in chapel on Friday. And that was the first time I ever gave a jump offering. And I know some of you watched me and were impressed that I'm a good jumper offerer. Uh, And I will do it again. Just not right now. Uh, But I, I appreciate the fact that we can learn from others and experience different forms of worship because no one church can really have the diversity, both culturally. Not many churches have as much diversity as we do on this campus culturally and from Christian backgrounds and traditions and from experiences and acts of worship. So we get to learn from one another. And again, God is over all and in all, through all. And I want to encourage you today not to dismiss what God has done in the lives of others, but what I want to focus on today is that I don't, want to, I don't want you to dismiss what God has done in and through your own life. Too quickly we can dismiss or forget all that God has done for us. Too quickly we can dismiss our culture, our background. Too quickly we can dismiss our family. Sometimes the older we get and we think we become wiser and wisdom, we quickly dismiss the church we grew up in and the foolish people that were part of that church, or sometimes that's the way we view it. And we're going to look at the book of Revelation today where Jesus has a word, a message to the church at Sardis. In the book of Revelation, anytime you go there, as you, many of you know, it's a, it's a challenging book to preach from, especially with so many of us from different Christian traditions and the beliefs and theologies that we come from. Different views, maybe it's pre-millennial or post-millennial or futurist or historist, different in so many ways. There's some challenges in the book in its Christology, how it's very different than the rest of the New Testament and the view of God. The metaphors and the imagery are very different than the rest of the New Testament. It is a challenging, challenging book. And even though it's challenging, we must not avoid it or, or run from it, not at all. When I was a child, there were these scary videos out called The Thief in the Night and the Left Behind series. Now, when you, many of you hear the Left Behind series, you think of Kirk Cameron in that movie. The Left Behind series movies in the 70s makes Kirk Cameron look like an Oscar award winner. These movies were terrifying. And they would show them to small children. And it was awful. And I remember their, their hope and the passion of the church was that children would see what's happened if you don't accept Christ and the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And that's actually talked about in chapter 3. And the irony behind it all is that Jesus, or at least in this verse, in chapter 3, is not even talking about the end times. But yet that's how we often use that verse. And so the, the theme of the title of the movie is called The Thief in the Night. And if you have an hour to kill or an hour and nine minutes, the full movie's on YouTube. So uh, if you need a good laugh, Uh, I would encourage you to watch The Thief in the Night, the 1972 version. But it terrified me as an eight-year-old. And after that movie ended, there were a bunch of children sitting in a sanctuary a little smaller than this, and they're like, now, between being left behind and going through torture and getting your head cut off and all of that type of stuff, who would rather accept Jesus today? Well, 100% of us. Uh, We all said, yes, I want to accept Jesus. I have a friend, uh, uh, friends of Pastor Herson Gonzalez, who preached here last year, and his friend Gabriel Saguero, who, who uh, spoke here the year before. We went out to dinner two years ago, and we were talking. I don't even know how this topic came up, but they said, and they were in two different churches, and they said, 
uh, in Latino churches, this was there, I'm using their language, in Latino churches, what they would do is they would show the movie and then they would have adults surround the church and start blowing trumpets and turn off the lights to make them think that the end time was actually at that moment. And they talked how emotionally scarred they were by it. And you see, we can easily get lost in this very important conversation of Revelation, the Christology and and the thinking and the theology behind it. It's very important. I I don't want to dismiss it. If I was pastoring, and when I did pastor, I took several weeks to go through portions of the book. And often I think it's best done in like a Sunday school setting or a small group setting to walk through together and have conversation. But because of the challenges of the book and because of different theologies and how tense the issue can become, we've missed or we often forget a major theme, a foundational theme to the book of Revelation. A hundred years ago, a theologian, Henry Barclay Sweet, captured it best when he said, In form, it is an epistle containing apocalyptic prophecy, but in spirit and inner purpose, it is a pastoral letter. It is a letter to a church with the heart of a pastor, the heart of Christ crying out, remember where you came from. Remember the grace you received. Remember the mercy that you received. I like the way one of my uh, uh, New Testament professors said it to us in a class I had in Semini, Morris Weigeld. He said, you want to know the summary of the book of Revelation? A summary of the entire book is simply this. Evil is powerful. But God is more powerful. And in the end, God wins. In some ways, it's what Jump Drama performed for us today. Evil is powerful. God is more powerful. And in the end, God wins. And I don't mean to simplify the book. I do encourage you at some point, maybe you can be a part of a church or a discussion group that goes through it because it is a really rich book. But, but that is a, a good summary, if you will. And we must not lose it's the heart of a pastor writing to this church. So allow me to read just six verses from the third chapter, this letter to the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write this. These are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, church. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Those who are victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out their names from the book of life, but I will acknowledge their names before my Father and his angels. Whoever has the ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken. Your holy and sacred word. We look to it. We look to you to remind us, to teach us, to show us what it means to be followers of Christ Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have this reputation of being alive, but you are dead. The, the letter, the writer is saying, you claim to be a healthy church, a vibrant church. You claim to glorify Christ. And maybe one day, at one time, that was true. But you have forgotten. You need to remember what you have seen and heard. You have forgotten what you have heard. 
You have forgotten what you have seen. You have forgotten all that God has done in your life. You have forgotten the grace of God that has been shed abroad in your life. And so in verse 2, he screams, Wake up! Why are you living this way? You know the way to the Father. You know the truth. Why have you allowed your faith to become watered down? Why do you proclaim to live one way when you worship in chapel, but then when you go out into the campus, you live another? Wake up. Remember. Remember your life as a testimony and a witness. And I need you to remember what you have received and what you have heard. Oh, wake up. What they received was the teaching of the apostolic tradition, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What they heard were the teachings of the apostles and the prophets that started the church, who brought the gospel to them. The Sardines were not holding to the Word of God. They decided to live by another gospel while saying they lived by the gospel of Christ. They were actually living by a worldly gospel, if you will. Something that was not of Christ. Back in the day, I don't know if they still say it anymore. I'm sure you'll let me know if I say something that is not cool or hip or no one even says anymore, but before I left Valley Stream where I grew up and I just, I, I did, I needed to, to move on and so I, 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 I did at about uh, 19, packed up the car and, uh, and moved on and didn't come back to school right away but went some other places. But some friends would tell me all the time, hey, never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. And again, maybe that's something in the late 80s, early 90s, maybe it's not said anymore but it, I think it's a powerful truth. Don't forget where you came from. I'm certainly applying it to the gospel and the word of God here, of course, but I don't think we're supposed to forget the neighborhoods we came from. I don't think we're supposed to forget the communities we came from. I don't think we're supposed to forget the people, whether they were friends in school or members of a church. I think we need to remember them. Because in an amazing way, God takes everything that we have experienced, good and bad, and He has used that to shape and form us. God is overall and in all and through all. And even though you look back on days of your life where you say, God was not present in my home, or God was not present in my neighborhood, or God was not present in my community, I'd encourage you that, that, that God was present there. And I pray that one day, By His grace, you will come to see and recognize that. Remember what you have heard and what you have seen. A vital part of our Christian journey, a central part of our Christian life, is remembering. It's remembering. And when we stop remembering, we forget all that God has done for us. We remember through symbols, which is why a cross is in this sanctuary. And I know there are a lot of churches that don't believe in having Christian symbols, but symbols are important, for they are to remind us of the love of Christ for us. We go to the Lord's table, we have communion together, the sacraments, to remember, it is a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. We practice holy disciplines, spiritual disciplines, to continually remind us that we are dependent upon God, dependent upon the grace of God, and that He has been faithful in the past and He will be faithful in the future. Yes, we are a people that are supposed to remember, but why do we so easily forget? There is a band called Need to Breathe, and uh, last year, um, I don't even know how I found out about it, but they were doing a secret concert, I don't know if it's secret, but they just on their Twitter 
said, we're doing a show in Boston tonight at a small location, only 100 tickets. Call this number, you can get tickets. And uh, so I called, and Edie and I went to the concert. Edie had no idea who Need to Breathe was, and still doesn't really get it, but that's okay. And we went to the, we went to the concert that night, and uh, it, again, a very tiny venue, and they've op- they were opening for... Don't lose respect for the band when I say this, but they were opening for Taylor Swift that summer and uh, had, a, had a night off, and so they performed at this small, very tiny, tiny venue. And at the end of the concert, what they did is all the members of the band gathered very close together at the front of the stage, and they sang their last number completely unplugged. No power whatsoever, no power to the instruments, the mics weren't powered, nothing. Uh, a year later, like this past April, I went to see him again at the House of Blues, and uh, I was there with uh, Professor Massey, and we were in the old people's seats. It, at the House of Blues, you usually stand, but they have like three or four rows upstairs for those who are too old to stand for two and a half hours. And uh, so we, we sat up there. So we were at the very back end of the, of the auditorium. And they did the same thing. So, but this time, instead of 100 people, there were probably 1,500 to 2,000. And they did the same exact thing. They gathered to the front of the stage, no power whatsoever, and they sang their last song, completely unplugged. And what they shared, what the band shared, at least the first night that Edie and I went to see them, they said, we close every concert this way because it reminds us of the days when we were a band in church basements that were so small no power was needed. It reminds us of the days when we had these concerts and five people showed up. There's really no need for power. We do this to remember where we came from as a band. And never forget that no matter what venue we play in, we always want to remember where we came from. That is a good practice. So I want to ask you today, what are you doing to remember? What are you doing to remember and not lose sight and not forget the incredible grace of God that has been shed abroad in your heart and life? Or is it just something of the past where you might have a good reputation you might have even have a membership in a church. You have that reputation. But when you live it out, you forget. Uh, you forget until you walk back into the church on Sunday morning. You forget all that God has done in your life and what it means to be a follower of Christ. That is what this pastoral letter is about. Do not forget. Remember where you came from. And I don't want you to forget where you came from. As you go through your college years, there'll be some challenges to your faith. There'll be some challenges to your understanding and In all those days, we must continue to remember and not lose sight. You will be challenged. And maybe you may even come to the point where you end up thinking differently or have a different theology or a different viewpoint than maybe some of your parents had, that maybe some of your churches had. Last night, it it occurred to me as my son is seven years old, and last night as I was um, getting him ready for bed and uh, we were downstairs watching something. I, I think we were watching Muppets Take Manhattan or something. And uh, Muppets Take Manhattan ended, and it was about 8 o'clock, and some shows were starting, and it, it was on the National Geographic channel when the DVD player went off. And, and the immediate image we saw was uh, the planes hitting uh, the World, World Trade Center. And, I, uh, and he knew a little bit about that. He, he was asking me what that was, what that happened. And, and my brother was just married in New York on Sunday evening, and... He got married at Pier 1 at Brooklyn Bridge Park. And at Brooklyn Bridge Park at Pier 1, you look uh, over the river into Manhattan and we, you could see Freedom Tower. And so we kind of explained what, what Freedom Tower is. And we didn't go into great detail. But he saw that image of the plane hitting, hitting the Twin Towers. 
And uh, so it's poor parenting on my part that I allowed him to see that, even, even though it was just for a second, because for uh, quite some time after he was in bed and I was getting ready for bed and in bed, I kept hearing, Dad, could that ever happen again? What if a bad guy gets a plane? I mean, could he ever do it again? I'm like, no, son, you know, there's you know, the military and there's people flying around protecting. You know, and I'm like trying to be the father saying, don't, don't worry. And, and, but he's, he was really scared. And uh, about what seemed like seven hours later, he finally went to sleep. But it reminded me that I was seven years old when I saw this Left Behind movie. And I thought, boy, you know, I, would, I wouldn't do that now to children. I wouldn't, I wouldn't show that film. So do you, I, it's a very simple point that I don't want you to miss. I've come to a different understanding where I probably wouldn't do that as a pastor. Show that to small children. But just because I do something different or have come to a different understanding or perspective than what members of my church had does not mean that the grace and love and peace of Christ was in that church. What I'm trying to say is just because you may begin to have different perspectives and a deeper understanding, don't dismiss all that God has done in your life through churches, through your family. Don't forget the love. I really believe that some of those people who... I don't know what they were thinking. But I know that they loved me. But I would do something different. A friend of mine, graduate of, of Howard University, and then went on to Harvard Divinity School, told me one day before his mother uh, sent him off to Howard University, she said, Son, I want you to listen to your philosophy professor. I want you to write the papers. Son, I want you to take those philosophy exams, whatever that professor may give you. But son, I don't want you to believe a word he tells you. And Marlon went on, graduated from Howard, Harvard Divinity School, great leader in the church, a politician. And he will tell you this day, though he may not agree with his mother's perspective in that, that one thing, he will tell you he's learned more from that woman of faith who had no college education. He learned more about the grace of God and the love of God and the peace of God through that woman's life than any of his formal education. Don't dismiss. Don't forget. One of the saddest days I ever heard, that one of the saddest days I've had here, was where on one occasion I heard someone refer to their church as a bunch of idiot Christians. And I understand that sometimes we look back and realize their practices and maybe their worship and maybe even some of their theology is just not what you're comfortable with anymore. But to refer to someone as idiot Christians or to dismiss a Christian group or body because they don't worship like you or their theology is different than you, that is not Christian. Because the grace and mercy and love and saving work of God is in that church as well. I'm not saying we dismiss important conversations. I'm not saying to stop thinking critically. I'm encouraging you to. I just want you to remember and not forget how God was at work in your life, how God was at work in your church. So sometimes you have to look a little more closely. In our text today, God is reminding us through His Word that we must not forget the grace of God. So put remembrance into practice. 
put it into practice. It may not be like need to breathe does, but at a recent devotional, I asked people around the, around the circle, what do you have in your home or what do you do to remember what God has done in your life? And for our provost, he talked about how there was a picture in his home growing up where the man is praying over the meal. I forget the title of the picture, but I know many of you have seen it. And he says, that now hangs in my, my office, and any time the door is closed, I see that picture, and it reminds me of my family and my Christian heritage. For, for me, it is a picture that was taken in, one, I think, one of the last services that we preached at North Shore Church of the Nazarene, and it was a, a small congregation, 60 to 70 people, and, and Edie was uh, the worship leader, and she was on piano, and as I'm standing at a pulpit, almost exactly like this one, and you see Edie at the piano. My son, who was two at the time, came up and started playing at the pulpit. He started to hang on it and try to knock it over like that. And he's starting to wrestle with Edie. And then he's trying to play with me. And, you know, we didn't have the nursery. It wasn't functioning yet. It wasn't going that day. Or, and obviously it was poor parenting skills on our part that our son wasn't disciplined and destroying worship. But as, uh, as that picture is taken, you see me trying to speak to the church. And I see my wife who's on the piano and she's leaning over like, come here, Logan, Logan, get out of there. And then she goes and spanks him later. And I never... Fr- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But for me, as I look at that picture, no matter where I preach that picture, whether it's in this chapel or churches or other chapels, It reminds me where I came from. And that God was there. So what is it for you? I want to encourage you to incorporate something into your life where you remember. Where you remember what God has done for your life. How did some of you end up here? Some of you never even heard of Eastern Nazarene College before a few weeks or months. I believe it's the grace of God. I believe you're here for a purpose and a reason. Though you may think, no, I'm just here for academics. No, I'm just here for athletics. I disagree. Though those are good reasons to be here, the grace of God is also here. It wants to make a difference and a change in your life. Please remember where you came from. Never forget. Did you notice in verse 5, it says, There are a few of those from, Dar- from Sardis who have remained faithful in obedience to Christ. Faithful in obedience to Christ. Will you be one of those that remains faithful? Continue to remember where you've come from. But also look for those people in your life that have been faithful. I've heard some of your stories, and I know some of you have come from churches where there was great pain, but I also really believe there has to be a few people there. There have to be a few memories where, like at the church of Sardis, there were those faithful few who were obedient to Christ. Look to them. Look to them. And remember their love for you. Look to them and all that they have done for you. Look to those that have been faithful and you also be faithful. We serve one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. Every culture, every nation, every background, and especially in your life. Don't forget it. Don't lose sight. And never forget where you came from. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, for each of us, I'm sure it would be different what to incorporate into our life that can remind us of where we've come from, that can remind us of your grace that has been shed abroad in our hearts and lives. We appreciate the corporate actions we take as communion or gathering in a sanctuary. There are Christian symbols to remind us 
But I pray that maybe for each of us we incorporate something. Maybe it is a painting on the wall, or maybe it is a picture in our dorm room, or maybe it is a, a song that we sing, or maybe it is a, a, a special devotional book, or maybe it is just being reminded to call home to talk to our parents, or that youth pastor that invested in our lives, or that church member that never realized we were watching them from a distance, but boy, they had a profound effect on our life. I pray for each student that wants to remember. Will you give them insight and wisdom and speak to them that they too might practice these remembrances. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace.